Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Does God only show up when good things happen? As we finish our series in the book of Ruth, we will discover that God is present and faithful always, inviting us and the world to his redemption. Uh, today we're beginning, or we're not beginning, we're actually ending our, our series in the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is a very small book in the Old Testament. And many times, uh, if, if you've grown up in church, you might known Ruth, you might have known Ruth as a model of faith. And she is. And today as we finish, we're going to begin to understand how God works in the midst of this story. Because it's been a very... Well, it's been a very human story for the most part. And, and actually, God sort of shows up in a way at the end of this story. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's, if you sit there and critique it, it almost feels convenient, that kind of a thing. And uh, there's actually a, a plot device that we often experience in our different stories of our culture that, that, that God sort of shows up at the end of Ruth is very similar to this plot device. It's called Deus Ex Machina. And if you're like, what is that? I'm not a literature major. That's, it's fine. I'm going to just explain it here in a moment. It's really when an unexpected power or event saves a seamless, hopeless situation. And, and the reality of it is, is that very often Deus Ex Machina's in our plot device is very convenient. In other words, uh, say a character is plunging off of a building and then all of a sudden an unexpected force causes them to uh, be saved, whether it be uh, the, um, the, over, the cloth overhang or something actually saves them, right? You've experienced this a lot. Um, Many of us actually, I think, like Deus Ex Machina's because, quite frankly, the good thing happens. Even though it's unexpected, the good result happens. But you and I know that that, is, that, that reality is not often like that. Deus Ex Machina's often give us an escape because the, the protagonist, the good guy, makes it out unscathed. If you need some examples for this, do you remember when Luke is going down the, the main part of the Death Star and he's about to defeat the evil empire, right? And as he's about to, to fire his torpedo, the enemies are bearing down on him. Vader's bearing down on him. And it looks like Vader's going to get him. And all of a sudden... Han Solo shows up, right? And distracts Vader and Luke is able to blow up the Death Star and the, the rebellion wins and the good guys win, right? It's dramatic. That's a deus ex machina. Sometimes deus ex machinas can be ridiculous, like so much. Maybe if you're a Batman fan, we're not talking about any of the newest Batmans. We're talking about the 1966 Batman. And Batman and Robin find themselves in a peculiar situation with sharks. And just so happens that Batman, on his utility belt, has shark repellent. Uh, what? A little too convenient, right? It's a little ridiculous. So 
that's where deus ex machinas can go. It's, it's often good, but some, it's not always the most realistic. It's not always what, what shows reality to be. And as God shows up at the end of the book of Ruth and something good happens, we might feel this kind of way. It's like, is that really reality? I don't know if I've actually experienced that before. God seems to show up very conveniently here at the end of the book of Ruth. And if we, if we read the book of Ruth and see God only showing up at the end, we will miss we will miss at what God is trying to show us in the story. And it's far bigger than God just showing up for the good thing. It's far greater than that. And so as we finish this story today, this story about faith, what we'll begin to discover is that while the faith of Ruth and the faith of Boaz and the faith of Naomi is all great, the faith of God is even greater. Now, if you're joining us today for the first time and you're like, who's Ruth and who's Naomi and who's Boaz? I would encourage you to go back. This, this is a series that builds upon each other. It really does. We've basically gone chapter by chapter in this story. And so I encourage you to go back on our podcast or maybe back on the timeline here on Facebook or on YouTube and, and watch the three sermons uh, beforehand to just sort of catch you up in these different kinds of ways. But the one thing that we have really begin, really focused upon has been the faith, the faith that is displayed in this story. And what we've begun to discover is that faith is this orientation of loyalty, of love, willing to uh, even go into risky situations for someone or something. And oftentimes we've been talking about Ruth's faith to Naomi. And how the story's gone. But here at the very end, here at the very end, we'll discover that it's not just about Ruth. It's not that Ruth is to be held up into this almost deified way, but rather it is a, there's a force, there is a, a faith that is, well, really coming through her to the rest of the characters in the story. And so as we read this last chapter, we'll discover that God is faithful and we have a place in showing his faithfulness in this world. So open up your Bibles, if you would, to Ruth chapter four. We're going to read a lot of it, but not all of it. Um, but uh, this, is, this is the conclusion of the story of Ruth. And we join Boaz after he said to Ruth, that uh, she indeed would be redeemed and her mother-in-law would be redeemed. Chapter 4, we read this. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. Just then, the redeemer about whom Boaz had spoken was passing by. He said, Sir, come over here and sit down. And so he turned aside and sat down. Then he took ten men from the town's elders and said, Sit down here. And they sat down. Boaz said to the redeemer, Naomi, who is returned from the field of Moab, is selling the portion of the field that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought that I should let you know and say, buy it, in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you won't redeem it, tell me so that I may know there isn't anyone to redeem it except you, and I'm next in line after you. He replied, I will redeem it. 
Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from Naomi, you will also buy Ruth the Moabite, the wife of the dead man, in order to preserve the dead man's name for his inheritance. But the Redeemer replied, Then I can't redeem it for myself without risking damage to my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You can have my right of redemption because I'm unable to act as redeemer. In this moment, in the next two verses, they basically complete this transaction. And it's done by handing a sandal to another in front of witnesses. And all, as all these witnesses see this, all of a sudden Boaz is now the one who is going to redeem Naomi and her land and, yes, her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And all these witnesses give a blessing to Boaz in this moment. We join back in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he was intimate with her. And the Lord let her become pregnant. And she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, May the Lord be blessed who today hasn't left you without a redeemer. May his name be proclaimed in Israel. He will restore your life and sustain you in your old age. Your daughter-in-law who loves you has given birth to him. And she's better for you than seven sons. Naomi took the child and held him to her breast, and she became his guardian. The neighborhood women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They, are, they called his name Obed. He became Jesse's father and David's grandfather. Let's start real quickly with Boaz. Boaz is a man of his word. He is being faithful to what he said to Ruth at the threshing floor. And he goes above and beyond what is expected of him. And even the one redeemer who actually was closer in relation to Naomi than he. Now, this is a book that does not lay out intentions of people. They don't. We don't get a full understanding of why Boaz is so is so willing to do this on behalf of Ruth and Naomi. We don't always get really what Ruth is thinking at the very beginning when she says she has her faith to Naomi. But for whatever reason that Boaz feels like he needs to do this, he does it. And he asks this redeemer, in, in just a, a really brief aside, okay, Basically, Naomi has land. She has either sold it off or it's about to be sold. And if that is gone, and if she does not have a son or a grandson, basically the family loses its estate. And the purpose of this redeemer or the purpose of Boaz in this moment is to keep this land within the family. That there is a, a, an inheritance there for others. So if the Redeemer just buys the land, it just sticks within the family. And really, his family that he already has 
will actually get this land whenever he dies, this redeemer. But what Boaz does is he desires for Naomi's family to continue, for Elimelech's legacy to continue. And so he implores this redeemer to not only buy back the land, redeem the land, but also to redeem Ruth and Naomi. And if, they, if a son comes through Ruth, then Naomi's, Elimelech's name continues on, and Naomi, that land goes to that heir, per se. Now, isn't it weird that the word used in this moment is redeem? Redeem, we often think of something a little bit more uh, momentous, a little more uh, deep, uh, something that is... Well, we think about rescuing or saving or liberation, right? We think of something bigger than just property and things like that. But it's, it's interesting that the same word that we hear for saving and for rescuing and for liberating is also the word that is used that is defined by the process by which people, property, and prestige are restored to a family who has lost them through poverty, violence, or some other cause. See, redemption isn't just about saving from difficulty or pain or whatever it might be. It's also a restoration. It is a two, it's a two-fold process. Oftentimes we think of redemption just being that saving or that liberating, but the reality is that there's a new reality that people go into in redemption. And so here, the redeemer who has the ability to redeem says, no, we don't get his intentions either. It, it talks about risking his inheritance, and it might be the fact that because Ruth is a Moabite and Moabites were enemies, or maybe it was just simply he did not want his, his current family to have, to, he wanted to crew for himself. We don't really know exactly. But he says no. And so what Boaz does is he says in front of all of them, I'm going to marry this immigrant woman who is a widow, not for my own. And, and, and in the midst of this, if we have a son, that land will go to her son. And Ruth and Naomi will be redeemed in the midst of this. So as Ruth and Boaz are married, they are blessed with a son. And in this moment, at the end of this story, in the human way, redemption is brought to Naomi and to the, well, line of Elimelech. The estate will stay within the family, will go to this young boy. There's redemption. Naomi is redeemed in this moment because Ruth has been faithful to her and Boaz has been faithful to Ruth. But there's something bigger going on here. Why is God invoked in verse 13 of all of a sudden being active? And as you begin to read and finish out this book, you begin to discover that, well, this child 
will indeed be the grandfather to Jesse, who is the father of King David. King David would become a great king within Israel, a very flawed king, but a great king nonetheless. And if you even go further down history, you will discover that Jesus, the very son of God, comes from this family, from the root of Jesse. And all of a sudden, you begin to put two and two together that it is not that Jesus is not from a family that has been perfect in marrying other Israelites and all these other different kinds of things, or even being perfect in religious belief, because Ruth was a Moabite and had probably her own gods at the beginning of this story. But Jesus comes from this family. And so God bringing forth the blessing of this son is trying to show us something about God. And it's not that God just shows up whenever everybody does all the right things. That God is faithful whenever we the people do all the right things. No, actually, there's something greater. And even though it wasn't communicated in the very beginning of the story, this redemption begins to shed light that God has been faithful through all of this. It's not just a human story. It's God being faithful through humans that people did not expect. Maybe you, in the if you've grown up in church, maybe you've heard preachers say something to the effect of, see, this is what happens when you're faithful to God. He does good things. No, that's, that's, if, you, if you come away from this story thinking that, what, what you'll end up doing is you'll have this religion of, I have to do all the right things for God to bless me. When in reality, as other voices in the Old Testament, as Jesus will confirm, God is in difficulty and pain and suffering. And so God isn't just present here at the end. God was present when Naomi lost her husband and lost her two sons. God is present whenever Ruth says to Naomi, I will go and be with you. God is present when Ruth goes onto the threshing floor, a place that is known for its debauchery and immorality. God is present when Boaz says, no, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to act on behalf of you. See, friends, God is faithful, period. It is his character. It is his, it is his being. He is faithful. And the, the amazing moment, the amazing scandal of this is that God shows his faithfulness through an immigrant widow who was seen as the enemy of God's people. God works through Ruth at the very beginning of all of this. God is showing his faithfulness to Naomi in the midst of Ruth. I don't know if Ruth fully understands how much God is showing up in that moment, but he does. 
it brings forth redemption. Redemption to the situation, but even, friends, redemption of the people of Israel and the redemption of the very world that we live in. Think about this, friends. A immigrant widow who is the enemy of God's people bears a son that leads to Jesus Christ. God's redemption is big in this moment, and he is being faithful throughout this entire story, throughout our entire history, and even today. C.J. Child says this, The word which was from the beginning came to two destitute women in the midst of a man's world, a culture which would not allow them the means to survive without being attached to a male as husband, son, or father. Providence shines through in the beautiful lives of Naomi and Ruth, not only because there were some severely ugly days, months and years. God is the hero of the story. But God's heroism comes in the form of these two females. Friends, it's because Ruth is faithful to Naomi that she's open to go with Naomi. Courage to do risky things. And the openness of Boaz to marry a foreigner. All of these are not signs of their faith, but rather of God's faith to humanity. God is faithful and provides for all three because they are open. That's how God works, friends. God doesn't work in this completely perfect religious system belief that we call faith. God works when we're open to, to him and allow him to work through us. And when we open ourselves to him, you know, you know what the byproduct of it is? It's the word that we heard so often in Ruth. Redemption. Friends, faith isn't a belief. Faith is not just a loyalty. Faith is an open loyalty to God that brings forth redemption into the world around us. That's what Jesus did. It's what the church is called to be. This is why Jesus has the audacity to tell his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and share the good news. Go and participate in the kingdom. It's why we talk about how our lives are different in faith in God. It's not a morality. It's an entire life. And people experience redemption in our faith. From our faith. And it's God who faithfully works through us to them to bring forth redemption. Yes, God can do the unexpected things. God can do the miraculous. But what we see time and time and time and time and time and time and time again in Scripture is that God would rather work through his creatures, his people, you and I. So if you've ever said to yourself, I can't do anything for God. I just live in Northeast Ohio. I work at 
you know, active or I, I, I'm just a school teacher and all these different kinds of things. No, God can bring redemption through the smallest of our people. Sometimes we think that only God works in the big people. No, actually, God will work in great ways through Moabite immigrant widows. Through people who are not known in the world. And so, friends, what we learn from the book of Ruth is that God just doesn't show up here in the good spot. God is always working as people are faithful to him. And yeah, it's in difficult times. It's in suffering times. But God brings light in those times through those who are open to him and to do the work of him in the world. Sometimes we just sit here and wait, waiting for the unexpected to, to bring forth redemption in the world, when in reality, we might be the people that brings redemption to someone else. But all we do is to open ourselves in a loyal love to God and allow him to work through us. And in that moment, redemption will come into the world. And it's not, it's not, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not selfish. It's, it's not that, oh, if I have faith, everything is going to work out great for me. No, it's, it's for the redemption of this world. Jesus didn't come to die just for you or just for me, but for this entire world. And redemption can continue to move in the world if we remain faithful to God as he has been faithful to us the entire time. So friends, may our faith be like Ruth. May we say to God, wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people. May we have that kind of openness to God. And may he lead us to bring forth his redemption in the world around us. Yes, even in the darkest and most difficult places. God is faithful. May we be faithful to him. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you are inspired by this week's message. Because of the current pandemic, our services are limited to an online presence. You can join us on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.